Welcome to the Wise Business Podcast, a show dedicated to making you a better entrepreneur through the latest digital marketing strategies, trends, and advice. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Wise Business Podcast. I'm your host, Carmen Mastro Piero. Today is all about putting together a foolproof content creation process because nowadays content marketing is essentially needed if you wanna grow a business, generate traffic, leads, and revenue. But when it comes to actually creating the content, organization is so key. And I personally have a content creation process. I run through every time I'm writing copy and content for my own business or my clients. And as you can imagine, I've gone through that checklist so many times that I essentially know it without even looking just off the top of my head, but I still follow it every single time because mistakes happen. And if you really want good content that moves the needle, speaks to your audience, you do have to have a good system in place. And that's why in today's episode, I'm gonna share my nine step content creation process that you can start using today. And it begins with understanding who you're writing for because often it's very easy to get a new idea for a piece of content, whether it's a blog post, landing page, video, podcast, and you just dive right into researching, brainstorming, and outlining. But you have to also understand the exact person you're writing for. And that's your buyer persona or your ideal customer profile. Now, if you're a business owner, you should have this mapped out already. If you're a copywriter, make sure to ask for this when you begin working with a client so you know exactly who you're targeting in terms of their demographics, psychographics, their wants, needs, desires, the questions they have, their pain points. And that's really what a buyer persona sums up. And why you want this when you're writing content is because one, you can research and use topics that really resonate with that specific audience. You can answer their questions. You can talk about things they're interested in learning about, problems they wanna overcome. And it's really easy to find a buyer persona template if you look out online. You can essentially just fill it out. It can be either in a spreadsheet or a graphic with um, a picture that represents your buyer persona. But essentially, every time I'm writing a piece of content, I just think, am I writing for the correct person? Am I getting too general? Am I veering off track? And then every time you research a topic, write a piece of content, you know you're writing for the exact person you want to attract to you or a client's business. And then step two is always researching interesting and relevant topics, moving off of the first point, because you don't want to just talk about anything as nice as it would be to be blogging about your cat or your dog. It probably isn't going to bring the right people to your website and actually generate you marketing qualified leads and get people into your funnel. And that's why when I'm researching a topic, I'm thinking about, does it fit my persona? Is it important? Is it a current trend or is it evergreen? Um, what is other people? What have other people already written about it? Is there some kind of unique angle I can take? And really before I start doing this, I always use a tool like Answer the Public to get ideas. I'll type in a keyword. It'll give me hundreds if not more ideas. Um, I just recently started using a tool called conversion.ai and it's actually an AI powered copywriting tool. Really amazing. It has so much potential and there's still more features getting fleshed out. But what I actually use it for more than anything instead of actually writing the copy is more so just ideas. And they actually have a blog post idea generator feature inside where you essentially enter your company name, details, audience, tone of voice, and examples, and then it starts giving you tons of ideas. So you can use that. I know HubSpot has a blog post idea generator and you can find them all over, but just make sure you're using some kind of tool to speed up the process. And then step three is finding lots of data and references and sources because the best content is data-driven. You know, it backs up your points, it makes it more authoritative, more interesting, more credible. And so what I like to do when I'm creating the outline for a piece of content or copy is I'll go to Google and I'll type something in like a keyword followed by data, stats, stats roundup, case study, clinical trials, depending on what I'm writing about. And then essentially I get literally hundreds of resources I can use 
to back up any points I make and just to make the content more credible. And then make sure you're vetting the individual sources because it's very easy to just link to some blog post or roundup, but then they actually incorrectly sourced it themselves. So make sure you're always kind of digging into the piece of data, sourcing it correctly, and then it just looks better on the piece of content. And then step four is SEO research because as a content writer and a copywriter for my clients, I really believe that content shouldn't just look nice or just be done for the sake of doing it. It should really drive some bottom line and business results. And SEO is pretty much the best way to do it because most people are actually beginning their experiences. I think it's about 93% of online experiences begin with a search engine. And it doesn't matter if you're writing a blog post, a case study, a white paper, who doesn't want free traffic and leads? And don't get me wrong, SEO takes about three to six months to actually really take off and have results. But when you do it, it's amazing. You're just getting all this traffic and opportunities coming to you without having to lift a finger. And that's why I personally rank for hundreds of keywords on the first page of Google. I help my clients do that as well. And the first step is finding these search terms to begin with. I like using a tool like SpyFu. I can essentially just enter in a word related to the piece of content. And this gives me tons of keyword ideas along with their individual search data. And normally a few things I'm thinking about when I'm targeting keywords. One, of course, it has to be related to the topic. Two, it should have a good amount of search volume per month with as low competition as possible. But one little hack you can do is you can take your domain authority of you or the client. Let's say it's 40, for example, and you can use a domain authority checker tool if you go to Google. And let's say it's 40, the keyword difficulty, which you'll find on any SEO tool, should be about the same as your domain authority or less. And in my experience, you'll have a better time ranking for that. You can also just go on the first page of Google and see what kind of big websites are on there. If it's less competitive sites, it'll be easier to rank for. But let's say you're in the digital marketing space and you're trying to outrank Neil Patel and Backlinko and these huge websites, it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult. So try to find keywords that match your domain authority, and then you'll just have a way better time getting onto the first page and driving more traffic. Now, the thing is, when you actually have a keyword, you're probably thinking, okay, what do I do with it? Where do I put it? Now, what I like personally doing is I put it in the URL of the page, the title, so the H1 tag, within the meta description, in the introduction and conclusion, within the first paragraph, in the headers, if possible, and also obviously, of course, throughout the body and in the alt text of file names and media. That way, when the algorithm checks the page, it just sees this keyword over and over again, keyword variations, the topic being spoken about in a semantic way, and then it'll help you rank for that more and more. Once again, it takes three to six months really for SEO to pay off, but it's one of the best long-term strategies. And then moving on to step four in the content creation process is establishing KPIs, because as I talked about before, content actually has to do something. You don't wanna just be promoting it creating it for no reason. It can really increase your brand awareness, your visibility, it can get you leads, it can generate sales. That's why one of the first metrics you should measure is traffic. And to an extent, this is a vanity metric, but I still think it's important because it just looks really nice. But at the same time, if you're getting a week over week or monthly increase in traffic with the right funnel, that also means more conversions and revenue. You can go on Google Analytics and go to the behavior section, click all pages from the left sidebar. And then here's where you're actually gonna find all the top pages on your website along with metrics like bounce rate and average time on page. Now, as a side note, a good bounce rate is usually about 50% or less, and a good average time on page is about two minutes. So look for a steady rise in page reviews, make sure you're getting more and more traffic, and also make sure that you're trying to audit the bounce rate and average time on page. And then of course you have engagement because when you're promoting that content, you wanna make sure that you're getting comments, shares, likes, and people are actually enjoying it. And engagement tells you that you're promoting it to the right audience, you're talking about the right topics and people really enjoy it. And it's a high quality piece of content. Now, if you're getting low engagement, you may have to try new topics or write better sales copy when you're sharing it via email and social. 
um, if you're getting high engagement, what I recommend is making more of that content. What topics were getting the most engagement? What was the style of content? Was it an infographic, a video, a blog post? For instance, if you're on something like LinkedIn, you can just click the analytics at the bottom of any post and get tons of engagement data. You can also dive into Buffer, Hootsuite, Google Analytics, any kind of tools you're using to get a bit more information about who's engaging with what and then double down on that. Thirdly is leads because your content needs to drive bottom line. Otherwise, it's pretty much a paperweight and you see that so much nowadays. I see it with my clients as well where they're doing content marketing, but it's not really doing anything because it kind of just avoids a lot of what I'm talking about. Maybe they're not doing SEO, they're not aligning it with the funnel, they aren't attracting the right audience, things like that. But really what you want to think about is the whole content marketing funnel itself. There's top of the funnel where you're getting your initial brand awareness through blog posts, social media, ads, maybe you're doing infographics, uh, email marketing as well. And then in the middle of the funnel, you start making, in the middle of the funnel, you create lead magnets. You're going to probably collect people's information with those through landing pages. And that really segments people unless you find who's a bit more serious. And then in the bottom of the funnel, you're probably going to be offering free consultations, demos, case studies, maybe white papers, success stories, things like that. So just make sure that you really understand how the funnel works and these steps work in terms of somebody finding your business, consuming the content, and how you actually turn them into a client yourself. Now, step five is then getting my team organized in a content calendar. Um, I just love using a spreadsheet on Google Drive. You don't have to get too fancy here, but pretty much the content calendar, um, you wanna have topics or columns rather for the topic, keywords, team members, and who's assigned, channels the content's going out on, the social copy if it's being shared on social, hashtags for social media as well, the publishing date, any notes. And if you Google content calendar template, you'll find tons of them out there. Put that into Google Drive, make sure your team is on there and you're all staying organized and then just all the content always kind of goes out at the right time and you're never feeling uh, disorganized. And then step six, this is pretty much when you're actually creating the content itself. And there's a lot of things you wanna consider once you have everything researched. Um, some things I recommend when you're actually editing the content is make sure that you address the reader head on and not a general audience. Buyer persona is amazing for that. Avoid any kind of technical jargon and things that your audience wouldn't understand. And if you do use it, make sure to quickly follow up and explain what it means. Use subheadings, quotes, and images to break up large chunks of text. Small sentences and paragraphs work really good too. And also make sure it's scannable with the headers. Use bullet points and lists and infographics and things like that to just clearly kind of guide the user from the start of the blog post or whatever piece of content all the way to the end. And then after that, you do have to revise in step seven because nothing's ever perfect. And even myself, um, I make tons of errors and mistakes all the time. And it's in the editing stage where you really fix it. So check for correct structure and formatting. All the links and images work properly, consistent grammar and spelling. Make sure that your SEO is good. You've set the appropriate tags and categories that the post is scheduled at the right time. And then step eight, essentially you'll be scheduling it and releasing it into the wild. So that's where you're gonna put into your content calendar. Maybe you're gonna have one of your team members schedule it on WordPress, on Hootsuite, whatever kind of tools you use. And then step nine is distributing it because if you want the most ROI with content marketing, you can't just publish something and let it sit. SEO is great, I'm all for organic, but you do eventually have to push this thing on your social channels, out to your email list, send it to influencers, do outreach with it. You need to get it in front of many people as possible. And that's just gonna increase your engagement, your ROI. More people are gonna know about you, they're gonna share it. And it's just a standard part of the content process that I think a lot of people tend to lack on. And in particular, if I were to say there's two channels to use, it would be social media and email. They tend to have the most immediate kind of results, especially if you've built up a good following and email list. But 
that's essentially my personal documented content creation process and I guess content marketing and promotion process as well. It all kind of goes hand in hand. Now, if you want to learn more about copywriting and content marketing and content writing, feel free to go into the show notes. You can check out my blog, get free resources, templates, and more. Other than that, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Hope you're staying safe and healthy right now, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Wise Business Podcast. Share this episode with a friend and reach out to Carmen if you need copywriting services to grow your business.